WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week we're joined by the owner of Space Cadets Collection Collection in Oak Ridge, North Texas, and one of the minds behind the comic book shopping experience, Jen King. Welcome, Jen. Hi, everybody. It's awesome to be here. How's everyone's weather this week? Uh, well, you know, that's, that's honestly how I wanted to start. Um, how, was, how was your weather last week? I know Texas got uh, hit pretty nasty. You know, were, were you safe and everything? Oh, it was, it was a crazy, crazy week. Uh, Monday and Tuesday were the worst of the weather days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday night, I spent the night in the store to assure that we didn't have any burst pipes. Mm. And it was the only place that had heat. My house did not. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Then Wednesday, I went to the store to start a normal store day. There was sure. no power at the store mm. because a tree fell on the line. Oh, wow. Thursday, my staff called me because I was at Comics Pro meeting, just doing virtual meetings. Yeah. They called me and they said, hey, Miss Jen, half the store doesn't have power. So they called out an electrician. Mm-hmm. Because the tree fell on the power line, it caused a short and a fire in our electric box. Oh my god! So I could have lost my store on Thursday, but did not. <laughs> and then Friday, they called me and said, "Miss Jen, the water main blew up behind the building, <laughs> so oh, we have no bells. water." <laughs> oh boy! And we still have no new comic books. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, you know, I, Diamond being a couple days behind in in winter. Uh, you know, not an uncommon experience, but the rest of it, geez. Um, I, I hope things have improved since then. <laughs> uh, you know what? We, we're, we're kind of a hardy bunch around here because we're mm-hmm. used to like catastrophes like hurricanes and all those kinds of things. Sure, we, sure. We, we just kind of like roll with it. We have really like, uh, we found out over the years, especially since Ike and Rita and all those early mm-hmm. hurricanes that that neighbors really are neighbors and they take care of each other. And that, that goes also for, you know, our little shopping center and stuff. We took care of each other. Otherwise we wouldn't have known about the water main. Mm-hmm. They came down and told us so. Well, well that, that, that is uh, definitely, uh, definitely heartening. Um, but uh, yeah, so comics pro was, uh, was this past weekend. Uh, any, any interesting uh, heat or insights, you know, what, what's uh, what were kind of some for, uh, you know, for you as a retailer, what were some of the big things to come out of it? It was like an interesting meeting. I, I enjoyed it very much. Not mm-hmm. as much as I would normally do. I got way more sleep than I would normally because I usually get about an hour and a half of sleep <laughs> every night when I'm at Comics Pro because I, I have this game I play where I want to be the first person up okay. and in the lobby and the last person goes to bed. So yeah, it takes a toll when, you're, <laughs> when you do that. But um, it was a very productive meeting. I don't think there were as many like giant announcements that were saved for the meeting just because mm-hmm. of the nature of the way it was being uh, put out there. Cause yeah. if you're in the, if you're in an in-person meeting, you can kind of tell people, all right, don't share this stuff or share this stuff when you're doing a virtual meeting and all people have to do is take out their phone and be like screenshot. <laughs> and, you know, there's some people like you, you believe in a, a professional organization that no one's going to do that. And in my experience, they don't not like mm-hmm. in a diamond summit where that really does become like everyone wants to be the first person to, to say that something happened. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. The big things were um, Tom McFarlane coming on and announcing his four new series, which I'm super excited for. Mm-hmm. I hope people realize how important it is that they're not just thinking, oh, it's just four new Spawn series, that it's really, really new and exciting things to get a whole new generation into this character, which mm-hmm. hopefully we'll have a movie about soon with Jamie yeah. Foxx. So. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's character. been in development forever, but yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. That's kind of been drawn out, I think, a little bit by the pandemic. Um, and then, like, some last-minute announcement kind of things, like DC telling us that, um, that Justice League 59 was going to be so important and that they were going to add some more covers for it because of mm-hmm. the Snyder release. Yeah. But the, the issue itself is important. And uh, I don't think we knew before that Ron B had a, kind of a tie-in story with Justice League Dark in that issue and that there were mm-hmm. going to be some big things that happened. So looking forward to that one. I'm not typically a Justice League person, but mm-hmm. I like overarching storylines. I'm a sucker for those. So excited to see what happens in that. Mm-hmm. Right, and certainly putting Bendis on that book is going to give it some, uh, some heat as well. So but uh, yeah, I, the, the image move is fascinating to me because, you know, the, 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 the sort of gut uh, immediate reaction is, is, well, you know, well, this is a, you know, nostalgia grab, but also, I mean, image has been kind of needing uh, a big hit since it lost, you know, Walking Dead and Saga okay. and Wiktiv. So, yeah. you know, hopefully this, this helps provide that in some measure. <laughs> well, I, I kind of feel like the, 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 the clear uh, successors to those are things like Ice Cream Man and Crossover mm-hmm. and Department of Truth right now in, yeah. in Discover Country. They're, I mean, they're, they're not bringing any single one of them the big numbers that Saga or Walking Dead had in the past. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, if you take the four of those guys together, more than makes up for stuff. And Spawn has actually been super strong in my store. Like I have, I have almost no people that put it on their pull box, which is so confusing to me mm-hmm. because between the live shows that I do selling and on the rack, I have to buy 10 or 15 of each of the covers to be able to cover the first day need for those books. Sure. Mm-hmm. What the difference is between people wanting to put it on their poll and the excitement of grabbing it when it's available. I'm not sure. but <laughs> and That's surreal. I mean, I haven't worked regularly at comics retail in five years or so, but when I, at, when I, left working comics retail spawn for us sold three copies two to a reserve one for the racks and that one maybe sold and maybe sat there but it seems like around spawn the lead into 300 suddenly spawn just started to get some heat and i and speaking what you're saying before i think with the announcement that the department of truth was just optioned I think we're going to see that. And I think there's a shot that Noctera with the Snyder Daniel name will mm. hit. It won't, again, it won't hit Walking Dead or Saga numbers, but it'll be a strong enough seller that it will be one of images. You know, again, you, you add the five, you may add that into those other four and you're going to see a solid core with those five books. It's interesting. I think Deep State was kind of a quiet release last week. And I think that that'll start to have, like, I think when you get to second issue, I think we'll have people regret not getting the first ones. Mm. And I think it's interesting. I'm curious to see. It's strange with criminal now out of the picture with the hard covers from Brew Baker and Phillips. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see again image shifting one of its sort of stronger titles into a completely different format. But I think that's what we're going to be seeing more and more of from image as they experiment more with form. Mm-hmm. They're being kind of interesting. Okay, right. So. I, um, when Solid Blood came out, 17, which was that mystery book yep. that they still won't cop to, by the way, I'll talk to them behind <laughs> the scenes. I'm like, you can tell me, right? Like, cause I didn't sell mine. 
I stuck them away because I'm like, if this really does truly tie into crossover in some meaningful way that people are going to regret having those, you know, having sold them for cover price or like, <laughs> this is a nothing book. Uh, like I, I, I ask them often just kind of like going, all right, the jinx is up. You guys can tell us. I mean, it's been like a month or something. You can tell me now. Right. And they're like, we don't know about that book. It really did show up on a pallet. I'm like, you're liars. You're such liars. It was like uh, Sean Kirkham. I messaged him directly and I was like, you got to tell me about this book. What's this book? And he was like, well, I wish I knew it's not from us. And they're, they're dedicated to whatever this is. The mystery of this. They're so in all the way. Listen, hats off to committing to the bit. You know, you, you, you got to respect the gamesmanship. <laughs> yeah. Kirkman loves that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. with Die, Die, Die and all the other times he's done that. It's, it, other companies have done it. It's never worked quite as well as when Kirkman, like when uh, Boom did it with Angel Number Zero. It was kind of like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Buffy book, great. But it didn't quite generate the buzz that those Kirkman ones did. But he's Kirkman, so... Yeah, talk about crazy buzz. Um, the the kind of like mm, the I don't know if you want to call it a commercial or whatever. With the presentation that Bad Idea made at Comics Pro, yeah. made everyone kind of crazy. Now, so I'll I'll give you guys a good frame of reference for me in my sure. relationship with Bad Idea. I mm-hmm. love Dinesh. Dinesh is a cool dude, mm-hmm. and I he did everything right for Valiant, and his he's the reason why Valiant is still alive to, to right now. Mm-hmm. But when they called me before Bad Idea, anyone knew what Bad Idea was. All I got a call was I got a call from Adam Freeman, mm-hmm. kind of like their rep. Yeah. And he said, I have a question for you, Jen. Dinesh, and I was like, stop. <laughs> whatever it is, yes. <laughs> I'm all in, totally in it. Whatever it is, yes. Yes. And so um, I don't know if I was their first call, but I like to pretend in my brain that I was. <laughs> and so I, I think that what they're doing, I call what they're, what they're doing right now is... Um, like uh, advertising savants that okay, yeah. they're, they're mar- marketing savants where it looks like they don't know anything they're doing. They're making ridiculous things with like, you know, people driving tanks and what it's like, what, what is and basically the whole commercial basically looks like they're trying to make it seem like this is a most ridiculous, horrible, hard way to get a book ever. Why would you want it? You have to jump through 20 hoops and it makes no sense. But what it's doing, honestly, is like the retailers think it's making everybody not want to have it. But what it's really doing is it means that I get calls and emails all the time. Please tell me I can be in on bad idea. I must be on bad. Whatever this ridiculous is, I have to be in on this ground floor. I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> Brilliant. It's, it's a crazy uh, spastic day. And the, the funny thing is, you know, we're, we're talking about Comics Pro. Like last year was supposed to be you know, the big, you know, crazy bad idea video. I think it was like, a, like they got like a mil- paid like a whole bunch of celebrities through Cameo, I think was the last bad idea trailer. And then obviously pandemic and, and, and everything, you know. And so they got to do that all over again with the, um, oh my God, what the hell is this? The Bagley Boardsman uh, <laughs> video. I, I think that's what the guy was called. Um, you know, and then the Tankers trailer, which I had, uh, you know, Matt had lined up a, a Q&A with Robert Venditti and I, I found this online. I was like, did, did you see, did you see this? Did you send him your questions yet? Because you have to watch. Yeah. yeah and I was you just like killing prepping dinosaurs. them when I got <laughs> the questions. I, I was just prepping the questions when Dan sent me that. I was like, oh yeah, this is getting added in because. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it, it's another example of them being like, we're smart and we've got a little bit of Hollywood smartness behind us for how to produce 
videos, it's clear that they're not made by, you know, someone sitting behind a computer, you know, janking around with it. It's like they're high production value craziness. Yeah. They spend time on those things. But, and the great thing about the Venditti one is, yeah, they spend time on it. Yeah, they spend money. But it also looks just hokey enough. Because if they made it look really slick, sure. I'm like, oh, what? A, you know, oh, it looks like Hollywood. But no, this looks like the kind of thing a crazy guy does in his backyard, but is still just delightful. It, it's, it's, it's comic book marketing by way of like, uh, Tim and Eric awesome show great job or or I wish you would leave on Netflix <laughs> I mean these guys got us to got us and our customers to push a button over a billion times because the, the button yeah. I don't know if it's still alive but they got to the billion dollar the billion push mark and kept going yeah they, I don't know what they're doing but they're totally still pushing <laughs> the button the button is still out there somewhere uh, <laughs> taunting people yeah. but uh, you know Comics Pro obviously, uh, you know, sets the tone for uh, a lot of the year. Um, you know, it's it's the place where, you know, for example, Boom goes to make their big, uh, you know, pitch uh, every year. It's how we found out about Once in Future. It's how we found out about uh, we only find them when they're dead. Um, is it is it when it's virtual like it was this year? Is it harder to gauge the the mood or you know because there's there's so many retailer forums out there you can still kind of feel everybody uh you know talking to each other about what they're what they're hearing um i think the thing that gets lost a little bit is the excitement in the room right because mm -hmm. we're virtual so you don't feel, hear like people the rustling of the paper or the see everyone pull out their phone as they're typing yeah. as fast as they can to put it out there the stuff that we are allowed to release sure you don't you don't get that like the building of the excitement like i can be doing that here at home i can be like oh that's newsworthy i've got to put that on the on our store website mm -hmm. but you don't you're not in the room to see like the when they bring people to be on panels you can mm -hmm. see what's important to them because they spent money to fly people in then that's really a big thing to them like mm -hmm. when they did last year for once in future it was clear I mean, while I was sitting there during their presentation, I upped my orders from 40 to 400. Wow. Because I was like, oh, oh, they mean they want me to spend money on this book. And mm -hmm. I should have upped it to, you know, a thousand or something, honestly, because I didn't make it out of the first week with number one. So mm -hmm. they, they were smart to tell us what they told us because they were telling us the truth that it was going to mm -hmm. be a hot book. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we lost, we lost a little bit of that, I think. And there wasn't any big call to action, I don't think, for specific books mm -hmm. to go in to make more orders. Because some of the orders are closed. Like, we can't order, like, Berserker is done. Like, we've your order's in mm -hmm. for Berserker. You're finished. Yeah. And, um, well, like, we had FOC for the DC stuff, so we could go back in and change. I spent a lot of time talking to publishers behind the scenes, so it might be mm -hmm. a little bit different for me. So once a week, I'm talking to them anyway. So... Mm -hmm. I, I already know what I'm supposed to be doing in that regard, mm -hmm. but uh, man, it's so nice to see everybody. It's, it's an emotional event, especially sure. this year after we, have, after we haven't got to see each other at conventions or any mm -hmm. of those, we haven't seen each other at the Diamond Summits in New York. Mm -hmm. So it's our first like, you know, getting to hang out and look at each other in the eyes and say, it's, we're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. <clears throat> well, that, yeah, that's, and that's definitely uh, important. How, um, you know, a little bit of origin story here. How, how long have you been uh, in comics retail? 
I started in about 1992. I have always been in retail since I was 16. But uh, I was 25 when I opened my first comic book store. I opened it in 1995, which is a dumb year to open a comic book store. (laughs) As I say, if you survived comics in 1996, you can survive anything. That is is the meat of a sandwich where the bread is the speculator bubble bursting and Marvel declaring bankruptcy. (laughs) And And a UPS strike. Oh, wow, yeah. Wasn't at that point there were what like five comic shops in our hometown, and we were down to like one by the end of that. it? Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. By the time yeah. I left for college, <laughs> yeah, I, I think over the next three years we went from five to one in that town. That one's still there. Credit where credit is due. Good. Steve keeps keeps on keeping on, but the other four went the way of the dodo. Yeah, that was, uh, I think 96 is about the same time when uh, the internet became a thing you could actually use. Yeah. <laughs> instead of this, like, you know, thing that only people with high-tech careers could figure out how to make maneuver. I can remember one of my really good customers, I didn't see him for a week when they mm-hmm. kind of, like, launched it to the public use. And he came back in, and he just looked, like, white as a ghost. I was like, what's wrong with you, man? I haven't seen you. And he's like, what? I, got, I, I started that internet thing, and I, I couldn't get out of it. It was like, I was on it for a whole week. The AOL discs just kept coming. <laughs> oh, those were the days. Yeah. The, the days when the internet was just a fad that was going to pass in a couple of years like everything else had. I mean, I, I try to explain to, to the, this generation now mm-hmm. that, you know, if you wanted to know what a book was worth, you had to wait for the next wizard to appear in your inbox or kind of wing it. Yep. It's like okay, which blade number one came out? Uh, it's the week afterwards. We haven't had a, a a new wizard, so I guess we're gonna market at ten bucks and see how far <laughs> that goes. All right. <laughs> um, what? So you you opened your first shop at at, at twenty five. What what made you say uh, you know this is what I want to do? Um, uh, the origin joy story for that, for like the, this is, this is something I want to do was, uh, yeah. when I was doing graduate school, I was going to go be a teacher. I have a criminal justice degree and then I was going to go be a teacher. Okay. I know I'm a little like, Ooh, what's that thing? <laughs> but, um, yeah, listen, the technical term for that is Renaissance woman. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, uh, I went in between classes for graduate school uh, and hung out at this like ball card shop in Edmonton, Oklahoma. Al is still there today. I thought he was impossibly old when I was that age. And so when I went back recently and visited the town, I thought, surely he's not going to be there. And sure enough, he looks exactly the same. <laughs> he's timeless. <laughs> but I used to just show up and like help. Uh, this was back in when ball cards were big then mm-hmm. in the 90s. And he, he used to just hand me boxes and say, open up all these packs and make sets. And he used to pay me in Yo! MTV rap cards, oh, wow. which I thought was the best. I love those. <laughs> it's a good exchange rate on my part. Yeah. <laughs> and next door, they had a little comic shop. Not a little comic shop, sorry. A little half-price bookstore kind of place that had comic books also. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't been collecting comics at all, but I loved the movie Aliens. And they had some of those comic books. And I had accidentally ended up with 
you know, two number twos or something. Mm -hmm. And so I went back like the next day and I was like, oh, I made a mistake. I got two of this exact same number. Can I trade this one in for one that I don't have? They're like, oh, we don't do that. Sorry, but we'll give you 50 cents for it. And I was like, my brain said, I'm on the wrong side of this counter. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> someone's got to open up a store where you can be like, yes, I just saw you yesterday and I want to keep you as a customer forever. Yes, you can trade that comic you just left here with. So I'm here to save people from having two Aliens Comics number twos. That's my whole purpose in life. <laughs> we do need to get now some, whenever the conventions have returned, we now need to get some of those UMTV wraps cards for our table next time. Yeah, I'll buy them all. <laughs> well, no, we, we have a whole shtick when we have a table at a con where we have packs of random trading cards and as people come up to do their little interviews, they then get to pick a card from the random selection. We've done Saved by the Bell, the college years trading cards in the past, but we're out of them. So I've got some, I've got some tra trip down the paths here for you. Ooh. Some golden eye. Nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very nice. Now, are then, for the movie or for the Nintendo 64 game? <laughs> a little bit of column A. Uh, it's a graffiti ones for the movie. Okay. And then. Wow. Ron Legacy. Holy crap. But I don't have any of the highly coveted anything from Marvel right now. <laughs> I've got, you know, I, I didn't realize that was a thing, and I have multiple sets of those sitting around. You're rich. Of, You're of rich right cards? now. No, so the, the Marvel. I've got two full page, you know, in pages sets of the first oh. two sets of those, I think. If you have like Flair Ultra X Men or Marvel Masterworks right now, you can just retire. Just Go live on an island. <laughs> the collector market is is like thirsty in a way that I haven't seen in in like years. And maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but it's just you know my my working theory is is that you know with the pandemic and everything, and with the way you know stores pivoted to sort of live streaming, uh, doing auctions of like key books and stuff. When there isn't the distraction of dollar bins, everybody's hunting for grails. Is that is that does that make sense? I think, that, I think that people have just gotten to the point where I, I think that this is what the pandemic did for us. That was a positive thing. And I've heard this from lots of other retailers that they thought this year would be the worst year ever for them or 2020 was, sure. was going to be the worst year ever, but it ended up being one of the best years ever for them because what it allowed people to do during that month and a half of most everyone being shut down yeah. is it allowed stores to like reorganize, which was what we needed time to do. And it allowed people to like catch up on their reading because I'd always have mm -hmm. people come in and be like, I don't know why I'm buying my pull box anymore. I haven't got a chance to read my books in months and months. So they got to catch up on their reading and relearn their love for comic books. Why am I collecting comic books? I love what's in them kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so now you see people being like, I need to fill in all the, the stuff that I didn't already have in my runs. I need to figure out new things to buy. And there's all these apps now that tell people what they think is going to be the new mm -hmm. hot thing or why this character, like even just today, I guess the new hot thing is that um, the sister to um, guy who's the new, the next Batman. Jace or Tim, depending on. Yeah. I call, I, I call the Tim, but I hear the other name and I'm like, what? Well, maybe I'm wrong. his sister. All of a sudden her first appearance is hotter. Which and I'll get sister out. Tiffany or Tamara? How many foxes are there? I, four. Luke, oh. Tim, mm -hmm. Tiffany, Tamara, plus the parents, Lucius and Tanya. 
You're you're getting to Batman territory. This is my jam. Love it. You you got it. You get all the points. You win. And Tim Tim in the next Batman era is going by Jace, and we don't know why yet. My assumption is that's going to be the stuff explained in the digital first next Batman Second Son series. Because as far as I know, he's still Tim. The last time we saw him in the present in Batman One Hundred One. Mm. Okay, because he's the I, oldest of those characters. He was introduced in the seventies and then disappeared for forty years until reappearing in Batman One Hundred One. And I mean, I honestly think he was had kind of been written out of continuity and forgotten with the New mm-hmm. Fifty Two. And then I wager John Ridley remember he remembered he existed and planned on him being the 5G Batman, and then when all of that sort of got folded into Future State, it's... I won't go into my various things with the that next Batman series, which was obviously a, a 5G pitch that they tried to sort of retrofit into some of the other stuff that was going on in Future State, and so it only sort of worked because there was way too much plot for four 20-page books that were supposed to be self-contained but i'm gonna stop now because <laughs> i could go Freak. yes <laughs> um you know obviously the, the the past year has been uh challenging for for comics retailers and 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 uh, you know a lot of people but uh you know I feel, you know, like, you know, since the shutdowns, you know, you've been one of the more standout voices in terms of comics retailers. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're already talking about some of the different examples of that. But, you know, how did you, do you remember how you felt like when this all started creeping in last, you know, late February to mid-March? I'm, I'm kind of always the person that like, um, I, how did I describe it this last week? I see a need and I want to fill the need. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm a firstborn, maybe that's part of that, or maybe I'm a mom. I have no idea. But um, things like uh, the day that Diamond decided that they were going to uh, stop distributing, and it was yeah. kind of like an, an, an open-ended thing for them, where they're like, we're just going to stop until question mark, question mark. And uh, I knew that there was definitely going to be comic book stores out there that either weren't in the affected area, because this was early on when you were like, okay, well, those guys in North Dakota, they still got to have comics to sell to keep the doors open. They can't just have no comic books mm-hmm. while the big cities have to, to work through stuff. That doesn't feel fair. Uh, and then for people like me, we've been like two and a half years into doing live sales. Mm-hmm. And my live sales people were not going to be like, I don't need anything to read for three months. That's fine. So I just like immediately went and started a Facebook page and invited everybody I knew from the industry, writers, creators, publishers, and retailers, and just threw them all in one big group called Plan C, because it was Plan Comics, <laughs> and be like, hey, if you have comics product that you can get to people, and if you're a person that needs comics product, do you guys talk to each other here? And that's, it's been a really alive place in that in the early days, people that were formerly just Kickstarter folk mm-hmm. connected with all of us and got product to us. And they have a whole new audience now. And in some of the cases, some of those people that were just tiny little imprints before got picked up by small press and are now being printed through small press and in, are in diamond now. Hmm. So it actually brought people up from the background that had really amazing products that just hadn't had a chance because it's such a crowded playing field. 
So that those are the kind of things I, I everyone thinks is a big deal. It wasn't. I just like click, you know, start group, invite <laughs> friends, have fun. But it was it, it made a difference for for my business. If I didn't have stuff to sell for those those early months, it would have been real tough. Um, given that you were you already been doing the the live streams for a couple of years prior, you know. Um, was there a period where you were kind of like offering to or or bringing other stores up to speed on on that front like like look this is the thing that you can do to kind of get yourself through the next little bit yeah I, from the beginning i've been telling people i'm like going don't don't look at what we're doing and be intimidated by it like anyone can do this and i'll teach anybody how mm -hmm. and a lot of people did take me up on it there's a little bit of pride that happens with retailers where they're like they don't want to admit that they need help or mm -hmm. They're resistant to new technologies. And I'll be one of those people to say that my staff had to kind of like drag me into uh, having actual electronic uh, inventory because I didn't trust it. I just mm -hmm. thought for sure that it was going to eat everything that I ever had in inventory and it would take me thousands of hours to put it back in. So they're like, no, no, Miss Jen, we'll put it in the cloud. It'll be fine. So I understand their reticence to try something big and crazy like this because it was when we very first started, you know, two and a half, three years ago, looked more as like, garage sale kind of like you you just did this if you couldn't afford to have a comic book store and it was kind of seen as a more lowbrow thing and we we kind of looked at it as like you can make it as professional as you want to it's like you can have a high high-end looking set and have all the awesome equipment i mean like a whole 20 dollar headset come on spend the big bucks and do it now but uh yeah I, we did we did take in a lot of people and just be like you don't have to even tell anybody that we taught you how to do it <laughs> just <laughs> we want you to be around because there's the the other thing that people don't think about and this is a, a little bit self-serving but it's mostly I, I was doing it altruistically but um that in my mind i thought there was definitely a number at which if we dropped under a certain amount of stores that were buying new comic books at which mm -hmm. it was no longer viable for publishers to make books anymore that they're just mm -hmm. like there's there's some number it's an, a magic number that i don't know yeah. but i was terrified that because of COVID that we were going to find out what the magic number was. Sure. And so I'm happy to, I'm happy to prevent <laughs> that from happening any way I can. Absolutely. Um, you know, when you first, first started doing all this stuff, you know, are you naturally a tech savvy person? Was there, was there a learning curve? <laughs> no, I, I, what I lack for in tech savviness, I make up for in admitting that I don't know what I'm doing. And I think my customer base likes me that I'm an idiot when it comes to tech. Half the time they're like, Miss Jen, you're, you're muted. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> and I think maybe it, it's because everyone else sees a little bit of themselves and when you don't know what you're doing, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm just another human being making my way in the world. Thank you for supporting me and my buffoonery. <laughs> Um, one of the, one of the more interesting sort of little threads from that, that time last spring is the, I think it was like a 24 to 48 hour period where, you know, all the, all the, 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 uh, 24 hours of a comic hub where, where all of a sudden that was going to be like the thing that, uh, saved everybody, this, this point of sale system. Um, and it had some fairly, you know, big names backing it and, and bleeding cool. But, uh, you know, it also had a ton of people sort of laughing it off, uh, which is, I guess, why it didn't take, you know, part of why it didn't take off. And, and, you know, obviously we saw which side won out, but what was your kind of 
reaction when all that was was going on that weird sort of glimmer of not actually hope <laughs> i guess so i that was a weird time okay so Stu, who had who's built up comics hub mm -hmm. basically on his own dime i mean he has he's a comic store owner in uh new zealand yeah, in yeah. Auckland. so he he's put up a bunch of money to do all the coding for this. He's super hands-on and making sure that whatever retailers need, that that gets addressed right away. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's a great platform. It's, it's one of those things that I, I tell him often. So my, my store itself is one of the, well, everyone usually is on a comic suite or they're mm -hmm. a comics hub or they've got Moby or something that they're using. But because when I first opened my store here, I wanted to have the ability to do a lot of uh, um, consignment selling. Okay. I bought a consignment program that we wow. use as a POS. So I cannot use Comics Hub without, you know, completely like throwing all that away, which we've bought, you know, lots and lots of licenses for it. And uh, the functionality for us works so well that I, I just couldn't do it, even though Stu kept on saying, we'll just rewrite a whole thing for you. I was like, no, you're not going to spend thousands of dollars to get me on your program. It's okay. So I always say, if people are tempted by the coolness of the way that that system works, they should totally embrace it because it's a really good system. Um, so I was sad when, I, I mean, I, I think that Stu did it for the, for the same reasons I was doing what I was doing. He was like, I have the solution to save everybody. You know, you've got, you can have, you know, anybody from anywhere find you by clicking in and, you know, ordering from your store. And you don't really have to do, we, we're doing all the work. We're driving people to this platform for you. And there were, I heard from a lot of people that it did help them during, during the shutdown, that they really did get a lot of extra business out of it and it saved their stores. Hmm. But for some reason, just at that time, people were very distrustful of this, of what was happening. I don't, I don't know. And for whatever reason, because it got announced in Bleeding Cool, that it made it more distrustful all of a sudden. And I, I feel for Stu. I think it. I think it. It was a negative thing that happened to him that I wish didn't, because I mean he's he's all heart for the industry. He's he really really wants to do what's right for it, and it they kind of turned it around on him that it was like oh you're trying to be the big man now. He's like no he just put you know tens of thousands of dollars out there to try to have this in place so in case and here's the in case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very uh. Very interesting stuff. Uh, how about, you know, let, let, let's kind of focus on the present here a little bit. Um, you know, what are, what are things that like at the store uh, now, you know, what's, what's selling, uh, you know, have things sort of picked, you know, back up to speed from, let's say like a year ago. And not this week. Good point. Yes. Accepting this, that this past week. Yes. <laughs> I, I would say that what we're seeing probably now is what I, I feel is going to probably be the, like the new kind of normalcy in which mm -hmm. we have less foot traffic in the store, mm -hmm. but we have a lot more foot traffic in our, our you know, eBay stores, our web storefront and the, the live selling mm -hmm. just because it is so much safer for people and more convenient, honestly. And they're, they're working from home, a lot of them now. So it's easy on their lunch break to just switch their computer over to, to do some buying there and it's harder to get in the car and think they have to, have to what what where's my mask i gotta find that my hand sanitizer all those things it's just easier for them and i i would hope that we get back to more people in 
in person, but uh, we have plenty of people coming in. We're going to have no shortage of people coming in, but I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to get back to the, like the having like the giant events in store. I just can't get past that part in my mind quite yet. I think we're all a little bit um, shell shocked by as just as retailers, because we've, sure. we are put in this crazy place where um, we're not, we're not, having people come in the store and our whole purpose is to get comic books in their hands. Like at the door, we have to now be a medical person and their mom and -hmm. all those things. And it stresses out my staff. They won't say it, but it's hard for them. They don't know. It's a minefield of people walking in the store because people could come in and uh, be very angry that they have to put on a mask or they might come in and don't feel like we have enough safety in place and they'll just turn around and leave. And it's not Mm -hmm. the, the employee's fault, but they, they feel like it's some reflection on them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've had some crazy situations. We've had a guy come in, we're, we're open carry state. So we yeah. had a guy come in open carry and they get almost into a fight with one of my other customers when I told him that he had to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. It was like, the, the governor says you have to wear the mask, man. It's not me. And, and he, he it became a very dangerous situation. So it was Thanks. like, so that's, I would like to very much not have to be everybody's mom and be like, just wear the mask, man. It's pretty yeah. simple. <laughs> As someone who works in the entertain, the live theater industry, any conversation about reopening and things like that tends to give me hives. Does it give me heebie-jeebies, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, believe me. As, you know, yeah. Yeah. When do, it's multiple do, weekly I'm, discussions about when the possibility of so of return to socially distanced performance Mm -hmm. let alone regular performance and every update about when broadway is going to reopen sends ripples throughout an entire industry is i just oh i get yeah yeah i was still people it's like i think about in war of the worlds the 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 cruise one with the little girls like going, this is my safe space. <laughs> Lord knows. So, I mean, it, did we ever? Uh, did we ever hear from uh, God losing names? How that con went up? Did we hear? Oh, the one up, the one the up fact. in North Jersey. Uh, as yeah, happened at the end of January. I yeah. I didn't hear it. I mean, I know it happened. But I mean, I didn't hear about it ending up being like a super spreader event or anything. And enough time has passed where, you know, we would have seen, I don't know, Something. a spike in cases in Morris County. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to do a local con. That's a, it's a really great convention that's here in Houston called Comic Palooza. Mm-hmm. And they're hypothetically going to keep their date in March or May. Okay. But, um, they're asking us whether we want to do it. I said, I, I'll, I'll provisionally sign up for the event. I know what you guys are going to do in terms of safety and having a lot lower numbers and all of those mm-hmm. kinds of things. I, I trust them to be able to keep it as a safe place. But the thing that I question is I, I really feel like I'm like really rolling the dice that I'm, I'm feeling like a big gambler because mm-hmm. I'm paying for the boosts. But if the people don't come in or if the people come in and don't spend any money, like a traditional convention would be, then I'm stuck. But what I feel like is going to happen is people are going to miss conventions so badly that yeah. their list is really long for things that if I ever find a booth again, uh-huh. I'm going to get. 
I'm, I'm, I'm rolling the dice that it's going to be the, la- the latter where people have their big list and they come and they spend and get mm-hmm. out of there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was just an email one around that uh, FlameCon, the LGBTQ con in Midtown, mm-hmm. is planning. They're, they're moving ahead with an August date. Mm-hmm. With, and that's, I mean, that's Midtown Manhattan, and they're centered around a nonprofit. So that's a big gamble for them. But they really want to try to keep, keep a momentum on this. It's like, sure for you guys. Uh, I mean, a thing, a thing about August, you know, is theoretically, I mean, I don't know if you do, you know, you could do a show outside if you had, if you had the right space and the weather cooperates. And you, you absolutely could. It would be fascinating to try to do a comic convention outdoors in Midtown Manhattan. I would, Fair. I would pay to see that. <laughs> Literally, I, I would pay to see that. I mean, there was a couple of shops were doing something at the in uh, the fall out by me that uh i call it it was the dirt mall it was this mm-hmm. like flea market out near me where they they just they set up just rows of dollar bins with two or three different stores that each had little booths and they got it was i mean judging by when i was there it was good traffic like people it was outdoors and people wanted to dig mm-hmm. I, I i didn't know i didn't walk away with you know a short box each time i went not at all <laughs> No, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, speaking speaking of August, that's 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 the target for Free Comic Book Day uh, this year, correct? It, it is, and my gut says that they're going to have to modify the event, and it's going to mm-hmm. be kind of like it was this last year, where they they let us do what we want, mm-hmm. but I I we're not going to have enough people inoculated, I don't think, to have the giant level of events that I would normally have. Like, I'm not going to put Deadpool. Mm-hmm. on a tricycle and have you know deadpool olympics in my front you know thing with bunches of people standing around i'm not going to have the the taekwondo place next door come over and do a jedi you know <laughs> spectacular with a bunch of people standing around i just i i don't think i'm going to be ready for that because i will feel very responsible for anything that happens that's the that's one of the big things for me as a retailer is i have mm-hmm. three or four employees that are high-risk employees mm-hmm. And when people, when people say, why are you being so strict about all your stuff? I was like, well, one of my employees has a mother who has MS and one of my employees has diabetes and one of them is fighting cancer and one of them has a suppressed immune system. So yeah, I, what you're saying to me is I don't want to wear masks because it bothers me. And I'm saying I want my employees to stay alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, it doesn't seem the same. <laughs> but to them it does uh, go figure what a world <laughs> um but 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 yeah so uh you know uh you are you're one of the co-founders of the uh, comic book shopping experience uh along with uh, jesse james and uh, nick barucci from dynamite uh yeah. what was what was the origin of this project so um uh, Jesse and I also co-created the Comic Book Shopping Network, which mm-hmm. is uh, it's just a Facebook-based uh, entity right now. And that's pure selling. That's just retailers from all over the country selling on a schedule as a co-op, basically. That we're, 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 we, there's no, no one charges anything to each other for being together. It's just that we make a safe space for everyone to come and shop. But what we always had in mind is to go uh, bigger and originally we thought about doing like a TV station, but it turns out that you can do this, what we're doing much better 
as a streaming across a bunch of streaming services. So uh, we're, our parent place is at YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then it, every time we go live, it broadcasts also to Twitter and Facebook and Twitch. And we're working on Roku and Firestick and all these other things that'll go mm-hmm. all together at the same time. But the idea behind that is more of an entertainment and sales channel where um, you have lots of sh- shows that are on their informational like on Tuesdays, all of our shows are, uh, what are things that are coming out tomorrow that you should pick up? What are mm-hmm. things that you should add to your pull box? What's in my pull box? Those kinds of things. Um, and we've got interviews and game shows and all kinds of other things and many things in development that are going, that are happening. So imagine like the sci-fi channel, but instead of sci-fi, it's all going to be entertainment, comic book, things that are related to that. So Anything you've ever dreamt of, kind of like, you know, it'd be cool if there was a show about comic book related things. And that's probably what we're, we've already got stuff working. But uh, it's, a, it's a large undertaking because it's all highly produced. It's not just mm-hmm. um, people turning on their cameras and, and doing it. We have a producer for every show and logos and all the kind of like fancy graphics and those kinds of things. And that's all run by uh, our producer, Kyle uh, Northrop. He's awesome. And there are the rest of our team. Mm -hmm. But um, the idea is to have people a place where they can consume all of their nerdom. Mm -hmm. It's all together. And the publishers will all be involved as well. But um, also to um, give a place for people to, that don't know anything about comic book collecting or uh, collectibles collecting, a place for them to come and kind of watch remotely and kind of get used to our culture because um, it's a lot for people to just walk into a comic book shop because it feels very foreign to them. We have people come in all the day, all day long to our physical store that are just like, this isn't what I was expecting and I didn't know what I was thinking I was going to get into, but this is way less scary than I thought I was going to be. So this okay. is a kind of a, it's a little bit of way for people to like have like the, I don't know, the soft launch of their nerddom <laughs> by consuming it, you know, at home first. Virtual then, immersion therapy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. <laughs> Um, so it's been about a month since uh, it, uh, the the channel launched. Uh, how do you how do you feel like things are going so far? Uh, it's really interesting. We thought that we'd have a lot of people embrace and subscribe on the YouTube channel, mm-hmm. but because I think many of our customers in general and people that enjoy our programming are already uh, Facebook folk, mm-hmm. you see a lot more of an engagement there, which is really weird because what we found out is that. Uh, YouTube usually is a lot faster feed. So for people that are watching shows to claim things, if they're watching them from YouTube and claiming from YouTube, they have a maybe a, a like 16, cents, 16 second advantage, hmm. which is a lot of time if you're calling things on a live sale. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, we, it's really good. We're, the, the, our thing now is that we're trying to be responsible about how we're adding programming because we have so many ideas and so many things in development. We don't want to mm-hmm. just throw them out there and have them be non-professional. So mm-hmm. we're kind of adding, you know, an hour to each uh, day of programming a month. So we're, you know, like right now we're at four to five hours of programming next month. We'll start seeing us add one of those to each day with the idea of eventually we'll have full days of programming that you can turn it on anytime you want. There'll be something going on. Or you can go through like the stuff that already finished on YouTube and find something that you think you'd want to watch otherwise. But 
that's the that's the kind of like we wanted to do a, because for you know company shopping network we took you know two and a half years to get where we are now for that so we mm -hmm. know it's going to take a while to kind of build up that audience mm -hmm. but uh it's such a fun playground to like have you know see see your own game show come to life <laughs> it's really fun <laughs> it's ridiculous as they are <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's cool to build a bring like uh, to be able to interview whoever you want. Like we have a uh, coming up at the end of this month, we have um, uh, Black Comics Universe being put on by Peak Game Comics, which is their own. They came to us. They already had their idea for a black, you know, like Black History Month convention. Hmm. And so they, they, they just wanted to have a little bit of help uh, getting some uh, names that they really wanted, but they didn't have those kind of connections. So we've added all kinds of really great people. Like we've got Afua uh, Richardson and she's like really amazing. Oh my God, Afua. <laughs> and she's, I don't like, if you talk to her, like, I don't think there's anything that she doesn't do. Like she sings and she like, she's like the big multi-talented person. And Joe Illage and mm -hmm. just like all these Sesta Moose, just all these really cool names that are so excited to have on. So that's going to be a two day convention. It's a Saturday, Sunday convention on the 27th and 28th. So very excited for that. That's great. Uh, as, you, as you look to expand and, and, and sort of build toward that 24 hour presence, you know, mm -hmm. are there certain kinds of programming that you're, you're looking to add that, you know, just aren't in place yet? You know what, we're, we really are actively looking for people that have um, either really developed ideas that they just need help with production or mm -hmm. already have something that they already have produced, but it's just on a small, you know, like it's, it's on their own channel and they want to have another place to rebroadcast it. We're looking mm -hmm. for all of those because we're, we're trying to raise everybody up together. It's not about like, we're the only people that can create content here. That's not what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We really want to have whatever is a new, unique look at you know, the, the industry and how anyone, you know, looks at it, you know, we, we were so excited to hear from them and um, consider what that might look like. And um, like this, the podcasts are fun because they get to have, you get interviews from people that, from all different walks of life that are doing the, doing this. So it, it opens, it does the thing that we want to do, right? To show that people from all over the place look different and consume their nerddom in different ways. Look, there's someone that's just like you. <laughs> so um, how, how much of, of, of your week is, is, is that, is, is kind of overseeing the experience? So for example, you know, we were, we were you know, negotiating uh, recording dates uh, just you know, a few weeks ago, you'd sent me your, your schedule and it looks like you're contributing a lot of content in addition to running a comic shop. <laughs> Well, um, so not all of that's on the experience. So I, I actually do three shows a week on my own store page. Oh, wow. They're live shows. Mm -hmm. And then I have four shows that I do on the network. Those are mm -hmm. all like themed shows that I've been doing for years. So I'm not going to let those go. And then I have two that I do on the experience. So it looks like I'm doing it all on one platform, but it's a, they're all different ones. And I, they reach different people. So mm -hmm. I like, I, I, I really love, they're, they're for me too. You know, uh, we all kind of feel a little bit um, like locked off from each other, especially because mm -hmm. we can't travel and do conventions and all those kinds of things. Of course. So um, just in my everyday life, I don't have as, as, as a woman, especially, I have so many words in a day that I have to say. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard this. <laughs> Guys have so many words. Girls have these many words. But uh, um, 
because I don't have as many people coming into the store, I still need those connections. Like I'm a, I'm a decided extrovert, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I know other people need that too. So to me, it, it's a little bit therapy to be able to go on because I'm not just, when I'm doing those things, I'm not just selling books. Like we had, like today I went on and watched some of the experience and we were talking about dodgeball and kickball and those crazy games. I don't know if you remember suicide and you know, the, 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 the variant of it, homicide. There were just like ball games. You like <laughs> threw things at each other. Mm-hmm. It was like, we were mean kids, man. What did we do? <laughs> but uh, it, it's just this connection for people talking about life realizing that we're all human beings and the human being condition and we're in this together. So we're all, we're all just hurling balls at each other. That's right. <laughs> constantly. <laughs> um, what are in, in, in crafting all this, you know, what are, what are some of the, the models, you know, for, for what you guys are doing? Uh, you know, are, are there things out there that you saw and we're like, Oh, we can, you know, we could totally adapt this to our ends, you know, be it, you know, I, I, I know uh, Nick's got, uh, you know, a QVC background. So there's, there's that mm-hmm. obviously, cause you're, you're, you're selling through a show and, you know, virtual convention, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, we, we knew we were going to have some pure selling shows, but like mm-hmm. um, Dr. Christy Blanche, who has a store in Muncie, Indiana called Oh Yeah. Yeah. So her, her selling shows are kind of where I would love mine to be, but hers are so much cooler because she'll have a two hour show but she'll have a whole half an hour segment built in there where she'll like, you know, have Tom King on the show or Louise Simonson just randomly pop up and be like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, she's so much cooler than me. <laughs> but that's what we want to bring to people. Right. That I, you know, like idea that Tom King could be on the, on the, the sale anytime, mm-hmm. just shooting the breeze about what's coming out next week. And like it's up-to-date information it's like you can't get any more up-to-date than they're like live right now on and talking to you they're they're much more uh, accessible than i think people think they they love to come in and share what's going on in their lives and what they're working on they're mm-hmm. passionate about it too absolutely i mean you know just from just from going to cons and, and interacting with creators there i mean the fact that they're storytellers means they want to tell stories whether that's on a page or talking to you at a table for you know longer than you'd think you'd get to <laughs> i think they're also having the same problem we are they used to go to conventions like most every weekend and having to like mm-hmm. talk about their book over and over again this way they, just, they don't have to do it to every person that walks up to their booth just one time Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, what's your, what is your favorite, uh, show that you're, you're, you're producing, uh, you know, of, of all the various pieces? Oh, okay. So I love all, all of them. Like I love watching Jesse James do his thing. Cause he's such a great salesman. He just, he, he's so engaging. I like when I'm, it's like when my husband says, if I'm going to Marshall's, I'm being serious because I'm going to go buy something there. I'm not just browsing. And when I go and I watch Jesse's show, I'm not just there to browse. I'm there to buy. So there's like some differences in what I'll watch for fun and what I'll watch for buying. But the thing I love doing the most, other than like having the normal back and forth selling shows, is a, a, a game show that I'm hoping we're going to shoot another segment for uh, this coming Friday called uh, Nurcular Warfare, which is essentially, <laughs> get this, uh, a giant debate show okay but it's nerdy. so and so it has redi- some a bunch of ridiculousness to it 
they're so much fun. So let's say that we have a theme for the show that is uh, uh, drivers and their cars. In this case, it'll be things from movies or comics or TV, okay? Okay. And uh, we usually have sets of 12. So I'll have, I will have picked out, pre-picked out 12 people that might be famous for driving cars in movies like Baby Driver, you know, Steve McQueen and Bullet, those kinds of things. Okay. And then I'll pick 12 other vehicles that you might have seen in movies or TV. The problem with all of this is that none of them match each other. Okay. They can't possibly match each other. I do it on purpose this way because it makes it more fun and ridiculous. And then I pair people off like Matt and Dan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pair you off against each other. And then I would say, okay, here is the scenario. And I change the scenarios all the time. Uh, today we're doing a this car chase through tiny roads in Italy and then I would surprise you by giving the two things that you have that are matched together uh, Dan you get the tumbler from Batman <laughs> okay and uh, shoot fire who are going to put you in there You're, um, you get uh, uh, who drives the Mach 5 Speed Racer you get Speed Racer Speed Racer is okay. driving your car Speed Racer's um, driving the Tumblr from, from the Batman, yes, the Nolan yes. Batman movies. Okay. In a okay. ridiculous, tiny little alleyway car chase. Or whatever. So you don't get the, uh, the Mini Coopers from the Italian job. Oh, no, I'm going to be all kinds of difficult. And, so, and then I'll give Matthew a pair that doesn't make any sense and doesn't match really. Mm-hmm. And then yep. you guys get to debate. So you get a minute to say why yours would win. And Matt would give, get a minute to say what he was winning. And then we get another rebuttal and a second rebuttal. Usually you're not talking over each other. This mm-hmm. helps really good in Zoom. I just turn off mics. <laughs> but the rules of the game are literally, it's a debate show. It's not an accuracy show. Mm-hmm. So if you can baloney your way into saying that the tumbler can drive sideways on buildings because it has a hook or whatever, mm-hmm. and we just drive right over whatever math you got for her, or that um, you know, the, the character that you have, their girlfriend is hotter. And so therefore they would totally win. Like there's, it's a no hold bar. It's anything you want. Like mine's a cartoon character. So I just redraw it in the middle of our car race. Anything, so anything. I've got Batman and DeLorean. He's just going to find enough of a road to get up to 88 miles an hour. Time travel ahead of you and he wins. There you go. Yeah, it would be things like that. So there, I on purpose make sure that the, inter, the entertaining part of the show is that the matchups are so ridiculous that that's kind of fun to think about mm-hmm. and then that no show is ever the same because i don't ever do the same scenarios or the same things ever again and since they can't match and the scenarios are always different and i'll, I'll change it for rounds mm-hmm. and so we'll usually have four people play the game and so we do rematches over and over and over again so you're never battling against the same person and once something's been in the battle it's off the table so we have so all those 12 things get cycled through all the way Mm-hmm. And then we end up with just like a pure point system. So we just let everyone v- vote. The audience gets to vote. And then anybody that's on the panel that's kind of like behind the scenes gets to make votes. And then we just tally up all the points all together and we have a single winner. Because I don't like things where like people get like you, you have like a these guys, this, these guys won and these guys won. So these guys now are just like sitting around on, and not playing <laughs> the game and not having any chance to win like i want all the competitors to be able to play all the way through and still be able to like pull it out at the end with their ridiculous you know argument about you know speed buggy being driven by <laughs> who knows by uh jason statham would totally win because uh love it <laughs> 
I don't know, you put Dominic Toretto in that, you know, the Mini Cooper from the Italian job, and that's just game, game over. Yeah, that seems unfair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but also, Speed Buggy, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, Speed Buggy. Wait, that's right. a romorphic cartoon car that right. sputters. <laughs> Dominic Toretto in the Mystery Machine. Okay, that, that's at least size-wise a little more comparable. <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm so just the thinking about the cast of Fast and Furious in like the wacky racist cars. I love it. I love it. It's wonderful. <laughs> so the one we're getting ready to show. shoot, the one we're getting ready to shoot is a, a truly ridiculous one. It's sidekicks okay. and in superhero uniforms. So in this scenario, they're superheroes. All the superheroes have disappeared from the earth and mm-hmm. sidekicks in general get assigned randomly superhero gear and they have to fight against some, like I'll, I'll figure out some scenario that just is truly bizarre. Mm-hmm. But um, in, in this case, the, the sidekicks are truly, you know, almost worthless sidekicks. It's like Gilligan. <laughs> but the, the outfits are incredible if you know how to use them. So mm-hmm. in this case, I'm going give to give everybody that's competing a, a cheat sheet of what's possible. They might not get any of those things, but so they can do some research because you, you have to know if you get the destroyer. Okay. Yeah. Uniform. You have to understand what the destroyer means. And in this case, that uh, you can't wear the destroyer. It has to suck your soul in. Yeah. But it is <laughs> extremely powerful. So, so. Odin, Odin could not destroy his own creation. So, <laughs> so, so Salem Saberhagen with the Green Lantern ring is a distinct possibility. Yeah. That's fantastic. You got it. So you can understand why I like the show so much because it's just like, it's me getting to live out my geek, you know, fantasy of games that I think would be fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also very much like the idea of saving the day through fashion. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, kind of talking a little bit earlier about, you know, uh, random big name comic creators just sort of uh, pop- popping into the virtual neighborhood like you do. Mm-hmm. Um Last year, one of the things you were involved in was uh, Insider Art, a benefit for women comic book retailers uh, that included an anthology with like Shelley Bond, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Gail Simone, Vita Ayala, Teeny Howard, names on names on names. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, in a year that was filled with with comics retail charity, uh, you know, thinking of of creators for comics and everything else, uh, you know, what was it like to to be involved with those people, uh, you know, on that project? Because, I mean, that, again, huge names <laughs> that that project was a very interesting project there's these, these are like the successes of what happened if you were going to put together a 240 page anthology which was, i think was what has ended up being in someone and someone told you you were going to do it in two months mm-hmm. and i'm saying this because shelly bond tells me who was an editor she's like it's impossible there's no way it can happen it's not it's not something that anyone like this is a year-long project mm-hmm. that's what we did we did a turnaround, completely finished in two months and had it up on Gumroad, which mm-hmm. is incredible. But everybody that we asked, I think, said yes to be able to, to, to be involved. And I think for them, it was during a pencils down part also. Yeah. For a lot of them, they, weren't, they wanted to keep their you know, artistic skills sharp and they wanted to figure, a way to, to figure out a way to help out um, uh, retailers. And we picked a smaller group of retailers, mostly because what people don't understand is that unless it's a bunch of money that's being raised, like mm-hmm. Jim Lee levels of money, yeah, 
when you spread it out amongst shops, it becomes a tiny amount of money and not very helpful. So we're like, well, we're a bunch of chicks and non-binary people. So maybe that's where we focus. Like we'll, we'll, we'll have that be the people that are contributing and that's the people that will benefit. And then we we'll might, we might be able to make enough, enough, uh, you know, headway into some people's, uh, you know, loss of income that we can be helpful to them. So it was, we, I can tell you, this is the first time I've ever been part of a project where I feel like we were super successful in getting it done and having the most amazing looking thing and being proud of what we did and having everyone come together, but it wasn't a very successful uh, fundraising. And I, I don't, it's just because it was a, it was an uphill slog to try to raise a lot of money at 99 cents a piece through Gumroad. <laughs> Because that was like pretty much what people were donating. <laughs> but it's an amazing thing. We ended up doing a Kickstarter and, and funding a print for the book, which I'm very I'm thankful we did. It's such a nice looking thing. And um, I just hope it gets looked on fondly for what we really were intending to do and not as a failure because we didn't raise, you know, millions of dollars doing it. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of money at that time to really go around because everyone was pretty, pretty much hurting when it came out. So we totally understand what happened. <laughs> But, but also every little bit helps, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, last, last kind of big question. Uh, we, we put out a survey uh, over at Comics Except at the beginning of the year asking people, uh, you know, from all walks of the industry, you know, what is one thing that comics needs to do to evolve and, and thrive in 2021? Um, you know, wh- for you, what do you think that one thing is? I, th- I think we need to be much more communicative with each other. I think... In the past, especially with the big two, there's kind of this barrier to communication. And a lot of that has to do with the parent companies that they work under. It's like, it's hard for them. To, they have to, you know, anytime that you ask Marvel or DEC for anything super meaningful, they have to look back at the parent company and say, can we tell, can we, are these things that we are allowed to say, or are these things that we can do that they're asking us to do? So what I, I really wish with all my heart is that the parent companies would say that the our producing arms should be uh, autonomous and can make decisions for themselves that make sense because mm-hmm. I don't think that the parent companies necessarily understand the publishing arm and the publishing arm knows what they're doing very well so and I think they'd be much more successful if we could have more communication and move and pivot more quickly to things that that retailers need and see that the customer base is asking for yeah it's 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 definitely I imagine it's a lot easier to get boom on the horn than it is uh Warner Dana Brothers I, I, subsidiary. <laughs> Morgan, literally, if I message her in the middle of the night, she'll answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But, uh, small press publishers, I will say, I've got to give them a lot of uh, props that they stepped up big time, like almost across the board. They all gave all returnability mm-hmm. and they honored it. It wasn't like they were just like saying words that they actually honored the returnability parts, um, which I know is a lot of money on their end when things come back to them. Mm-hmm. But it did also allow us to have books on the stands for people that were coming in. And it did allow us to sell a lot more. If we didn't have the returnability, we would have had been so tight on our orders because we wouldn't know, sure. you know what we would need. Mm-hmm. And I've actually upped my orders in a lot of cases. Like uh, for uh, Scout actually has gone to doing self-distribution. Yeah. And my orders with them currently are higher than my Marvel orders because I have such a, you know, like because I had so much of the product when mm-hmm. everything was shut down because they did not stop producing books mm-hmm. uh, that they got a new loyal customer base that 
most of them have on their pull box, it just says everything scout. That's what they have on their pull box. So interesting for them that, that, you know, the, the instant listening and pivoting to what we needed mm-hmm. meant huge success for them. That is interesting. Um, so late question now, uh, what, what are you reading? Oh gosh. Um, it's my favorite thing that I'm on right now. There's so many good things. Like I, I, I kind of like wait by the box when Department of Truth comes out and crossover because uh-huh. I have to know what's coming next. I have to. And I can't wait for the next, um, oh, I'm not going to come up with the name of it. It's a, an Aftershock book that just came out that it was like a like mayhem or something. Maniac it was like a murder one. York. Maniac of New York. Ah, Maniac of New York. Man, we sold out of them so fast. I didn't even get one to keep for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a copy and I've been trying to find one because I was curious. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I need to. I need to ask them. Like, do you have any like you know lost in your office somewhere that you can? I'd like to buy those. Um, and for Marvel, I like all of. The, I, I'm a pretty big consumer of Marvel in general, so I read most of the line. But I love all of the things that are happening with the, the, uh, Hickman, mm-hmm. you know, kind of driven things that are going for X Men. As much as some people say that they're like eh, about what he's doing, to me, it makes me feel like I did when I was reading Claremont. Where I was like, I, I, I gotta read all the different tie-ins because I don't want to miss why this one part's so important. Oh, definitely, those those books are fantastic right now. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, uh, Jen, uh, it's been great. It's it's been an hour. Uh, what are how can people follow you and keep up with the shop and and the experience and everything else you have going on? Probably the easiest way to find me is on uh, Facebook. I'm just Jen King with one N and I look exactly like I do now <laughs> in my little icon. But yeah, if you send me a DM at Jen King, it's, a, it's the easiest way to find me. Or if you want to uh, partake in the experience, it's a really easy bit.ly link. So it's uh, the bit.ly forward slash capital T lowercase h and e and then uh, uh, underscore and then all uppercase exp. So it's a, the EXP with a, an underscore there. I, it's like bitlies are so weird. You have to watch for the, the uppercase and lowercase or you won't get anywhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you guys so much. It was awesome. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is now part of ComicsXF, formerly Xavier Files, meaning you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom and Chris's on Infinite Earths, and a ton of great comics criticism at comicsxf.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at comicsxf.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQComics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from Toxman at ComicsXF.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel Spider-Woman series, and Lan M from Lan's Vids. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember to spay and neuter your good night. And good luck. W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.